We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. We begin in verse 8 where Paul picks it up and, he, and he's talking about giving, you know, uh, an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he's giving them an opportunity to give to the donation. And he says there in verse 8, however, he says, I, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice, it is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is a, a first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. You know, why, why should we give to the poor? You know, um, I know that we have spoken about this in the past. Excuse me for a second. And, um, you know, for us as a church, it's kind of uncomfortable uh, talking about money, you know, because uh, a lot of people, they get turned off when you talk about it. And it's because there's been a lot of abuse in that area, you know, a lot of, uh, unfortunately, ministries and pastors and guys have, uh, have misrepresented God. You know, so for us as a church, what we do, uh, we'll we'll pass the, the 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 green you know bag around, and you guys have that opportunity to give to the church and the work of the ministry here. And there's an agape box in the back, and you know, if the Lord lays it on your heart, you get to give. Um, but we would never ask for funds for us. Every once in a while, however, we will like kind of like throw out there the opportunity for you to give to the poor. You know, to give to those who are less fortunate. And that's what Paul is talking about right here. You know, I'm sure you're aware of this, but I think it's important to remember. Remember the number 21. Every day, 21,000 children die from hunger or hunger-related issues. You know, so when I'm talking about the poor, I'm, I'm not just talking about people... Like when I grew up, I had, I don't know about you, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. I remember eating a lot of bologna, you know, a lot of bologna. Um, Miracle Whip, you probably don't like that, uh, and bread. 
um, for breakfast, I'd have an egg. I called it a flat egg because I made it myself. I started cooking at the age of four. And, um, you know, throw some ketchup in there. What do they call it, fideo? You guys, I mean, we like that, but let's face it, man. It's kind of poor man's food, right? Beans and rice and Jesus Christ. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about where you don't have any food. There are, there are 21,000 kids that die every day. What are we doing about that? You know, for us, I think uh, coming to sections like this is an opportunity for us to kind of rethink our life. You know, you can go online. There's a real good Christian ministry. It's called Food for the Hungry, FH.org. I don't know if they're a perfect ministry or not. But I tell you what, they're out there in the front lines feeding those that are, are so poor you wouldn't even begin to imagine. You know, and, and so, you know, when someone like Franklin Graham, they, they come up and, and they present the opportunity for people to give, or maybe for us, you know, you don't realize that you go to Cambodia, we go to Cambodia, we get to spend time with the kids in the orphanages. And you just don't realize how poor they are. And so when we have people here in the church that would be willing to give $20 a month for them, see, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, there's a box back there that says Cambodia on it. If you ever got maybe an extra five bucks or something, maybe the Lord will stir your heart to go and, and, and to give. I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about. Because we're stewards. It's not our money, it's his money. And so much of the time, we're, we're just really, we're spending it all on ourselves. And so, this is a really good section. He kind of gives us a few things, I think, that, that motivate us into, uh, into giving. And I'll say this to you. It's good for you. You know, it's good for you when you give. Right? Remember we talked about this? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Right? Look what Paul says again there in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Paul says, I'm not commanding you, you know, but I, I, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You know, when it comes to giving like this, it's not necessarily mandatory. You don't have to, right? It's what we would call an offering, right? It's, it's donation. It's not taxation, right? It's free giving. It's not forced giving. It's actually called grace giving in the Bible. And, and so it's up to you, right? But this particular offering that Paul is writing about is an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And, and he is asking. You know, he is presenting that opportunity. He's throwing out there to them in the congregation in Corinth, not commanding them, but, you know, I mean, God doesn't even force us, right? But he's asking them if you'd be freely willing to give and to show charity. I think here, though, that there are some things that, that motivate us. Number one is, is love. Look again there in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love. 
when I compare it to the diligence of others. Now, we're talking about the Macedonian church. We got into this last week. How they were so poor, but out of their poverty came generosity. Right? And the reason that they were able to give, even though they were so poor, is because of their love. Their love for God. And their love for others. Right? And it was so cool when you see what happened there. We talked about... How when God sees giving, it's not the sum that he sees, it's the sacrifice. It's not really the portion that he sees, it's the proportion. And one day, Jesus said, when you're laying up treasures in heaven and you're giving to the poor and you're giving to the Lord, you will be rewarded greatly for that. It's for your good, it really is. You know, and so here, it's, a, it's really a test of, of love. He doesn't force them. He doesn't command them. He doesn't use his apostolic authority and say, hey, you have to give to the poor. But he does try and motivate them by communicating to the Corinthians that giving is connected to loving. First John chapter 3, verse 17 through 18 is a great cross-reference here. It says, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? It doesn't. He says, My little children, let us not love in, in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, giving is connected with loving. The most famous passage in the Bible, you guys know it, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And so Paul here is testing the sincerity of their love. And, and we need to check our hearts as well. I mean, you say you love the Lord. You know, and again, I, I, and I'm not trying to freak you out, but, you know, today when I was praying, I was saying, Lord, this is not going to be one of the eloquent sermons by any means. I, I don't have that at all. But it does have the potential to be a life-changing sermon. It really does. Because it makes me examine my life. And it makes us as a congregation, you know, examine our heart. I mean, really, when was the last time we really gave to the poor? To the poor. Some of you here, you do it on a regular basis. A lot of us, however, we don't. And you're like, well, I don't know if I ever found anybody who's legitimately poor. Yeah, and I agree, man. Sometimes you get the people asking for money and it's because they don't want to work. I, and I don't think you should necessarily give them money. I would probably say give them food and just try to maybe point them to the Lord that they'll get saved, that they'll get a worth e work ethic. But, but I would say that if you want to find a, a good cause, someone who's really poor, you'll, you can find them. But you just have to go and, and do just a little bit of research. Because if you love God, you're going to love the people that he loves. And like I said already, there's 21,000 people that die every day because they need food. And so it's a matter of love. Don't say you love when you shut the, your heart. You have it, but you don't give it. Don't say you love God. It's a matter of love, and that's what Paul is saying right here. I'm testing the sincerity of your love. And, and again, he compares it to the response of the Macedonian church who gave so eagerly and generously, 
even out of their poverty. Remember, we read that back in chapter 8, verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. See, one of the things that would be so cool is if we could ask God, okay, you know, Lord, um, I would like to make as much as I can so I could give as much as I can. Raise our, our standard of living so we can raise our standard of giving. Help me to grow as a giver so that one day it would overflow as a giver. We don't need all that stuff. You know, I was hearing a sermon the other day about a, a, a lady who was in the church, and she was a faithful servant, and she was a single lady, and one day she passed away. And so the, the church, they had like the equivalent of a helps ministry. Um, they were asked to go and to, and to help pack her stuff at her apartment. So, you know, they, they went. She was uh, apparently, uh, she had a lot of money. But when they went to her apartment, they were done packing in an hour. Because she had hardly anything. It was just super simple. And I was just thinking, wow, what a contrast to us. Sometimes I think we're getting buried in our possessions. No offense, you know, but how many pairs of shoes do we have, you know? And how many do you need? One for every day, Manny. <laughs> one for every color, one for every style, you know? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. The Lord has just been really just showing me this is how many pair of pants you need and and, you know... Stuff like that, T-shirts, give it away, live simple. All I'm saying is that it's a reflection of our love. And for us, you know, it, even if we feel like we don't have a lot to give, the, the Macedonians were such a great example because out of their poverty, it just overflowed with generosity. That, that's one element of motivation is, is whether or not we, we love. And so first it's the love, but secondly it's the Lord, you guys, the, the Lord. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, the, the word right there, the, the grace, it, it, that word in this context here, the Greek word is usually translated giving. And, and I guess you could put it in either way, grace or giving, but it's just like the example. The example of the Macedonians was amazing, man, because they were so poor and they gave it out of their poverty. But the example of Jesus Christ is even more amazing. I mean, talk about being, you know, rich. The Macedonians gave out of their, their poverty. Jesus will now give out of his riches, but he gives everything. You know, and Jesus was rich in so many ways. They say he was rich in person, that he was rich in position, that he was rich in power, that he was rich in possessions, that he was rich in purity, and he gave all those riches away so that he would experience poverty. And there he was nailed to a cross for our sins. 
so that you and I might become rich. I mean, talk about the example of giving. Talk about the example of sacrifice. You know, I was reading, and I don't know if you guys ever trip out on this, but you guys know who the richest man in the world is probably, huh? Most of you guys probably know it's Bill Gates. Even though the last four years it was this guy from Mexico, of all people. Um, What was his name? Carlos Slim? Yeah, that guy, man. But anyways, Bill Gates, 16 out of the last 21 years, he's been the richest man in the world. Close to $80 billion. I I tried to calculate that type of money. I'm like, man, what kind of budget, you know, would he have? And anyways, um, $80 billion. He's also the, the, the largest philanthropist in the world. In other words, he gives the most money. But the thing is this, is that at $80 billion, he only gives about 2.4%. Okay, so you're thinking, wow, that's a lot of money, you know. No, it's not. Because remember, God looks at the sacrifice, not the sum. He looks at the proportion, not the portion. And then I started looking at the Forbes list of billionaires in the world, and all of them, they give about maybe 2.2%. And I'm like, man, that's not what even we do. I think some of you here as Christians, you probably give more. They say that 20% of the church gives 10%. 10%, that's pretty good. I wish all of you gave 10%, and then more, because it's good for you. But man, I trip out on this. You know, that guy, what's the guy that, uh, Top Gun at Facebook? Mark, can't laugh, pronounce his last name. You know, $24 billion. Um, that's how much he's worth. He also gives 2%. Makes me not want to do, do Facebook at all, you know, <laughs> for other reasons too. But I'm just saying, you know, you, you know, I mean, look at the Lord. I mean, the richest the richest in power, position, you know, possessions, and, and person, and he just gave it all so that you and I might be rich. One person said, if the sacrificial giving of the Macedonians did not stimulate, then the example of Christ certainly would. I mean, and that's, that's the Lord, you know? I mean, when Jesus came, think about it. I mean, at one time, he's the very tip-top of the universe, I mean, I don't, you know, the top, Isaiah 6, if you guys remember Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, that was Jesus. That's what it says in John chapter 12, that Isaiah saw Jesus in his glory. So when you look at Isaiah 6, that's Jesus with the, you know, the the cherubim all around him singing, holy, 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 and then the train of his robe, it just fills the temple and the posts are shaking and the smoke. I mean, the glory of Jesus coming down and, and, you know, the spot at that period on the paper, that's how, how small he became when he was conceived in Mary's womb and then born in a manger, put in a feeding trough. He wasn't born at Kaiser, you know, or some nice palace and Growing up, when they offered the sacrifice for him, that the presentation there in the temple, they offered two birds because that was the offering of the poor. His family was poor. You know, as he's going through ministry, he has to borrow a boat to teach from. He has to borrow a coin to illustrate from. You know, he has to, you know, uh, borrow these things, even a grave, you know, to be buried. And he has nothing. 
The Bible says foxes have their holes, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, just abject poverty. And he, and he did that just for a beautiful reason. We read it here in verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, or the giving of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And if you are a Christian, then you're rich. If you are a Christian. And I've been really really concerned with that lately. Because you guys know that going to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. Do you have a desire to spend with the Lord like in the Word and in prayer? Do you have a relationship with God? I was talking to, to someone... And I was just telling him I'm so concerned. Because, you know, not that that I'm an example, I fail so much. But man, the Lord is in all my thoughts. And when I'm exercising, I'm thinking about Him. And I'm worshiping and thanking Him that I'm not injured yet, you know. And when I'm eating, I'm like, Lord, this is good for me, huh? Or this is bad for me, huh? You know, um, when I'm driving, I want to be a good witness. So sometimes I, if I, I'm like, hey, man, be careful, man, because who knows, maybe they know you're a Christian, and, or maybe they go to the church, and so you better slow down because I'm going 100 miles an hour or whatever, you know? I just, I just... The Lord is in all my thoughts. And it's not because I'm special, it's just because I'm saved. And I'm afraid that if the Lord's not in all your thoughts, that you might not be saved. And you go to church and you you know you believe in your head and you have a religion but you don't really have a relationship with Christ. And you have to really just, you have to just surrender your life to him. But when you do become a Christian, then you become rich. You're like, Manny, I don't got any money. I'm not talking about that, right? I'm talking about the spiritual riches that we have, that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 says they're unsearchable. The unsearchable riches of Christ, right? I mean, we have that as Christians. We've been given the unsearchable riches of Christ. Later on in the book of Revelation, we're going to see that, you know, the Lord speaking to the church, he just says, I know you guys don't have a lot, but man, you are rich. You're rich. You see, and that's what's happened to us. You guys know, if you want to put a marker here real quick and go to Philippians 2, kind of like the way that it's described here. In Philippians 2, in verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, 
You know, being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And that right there is what we call the kenosis, taking the the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So verse 6 says he was God. He wasn't holding on to it. It wasn't necessarily advertising it. He was just in the morphe. He was in the form of God. But he emptied himself. He humbled himself. We just read it in Second Corinthians. He became poor and, and he became a man and not just a man in verse 8 and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death and not just dying but even the death of the cross. And so the Lord, he, he made that sacrifice and he became poor. And what we find back in 2 Corinthians is he says that's really the illustration of what you guys need to know and that's a motivation for your giving as well. You know, it's interesting, back in 2 Corinthians, remember we read in chapter 8, verse 5, it says, not only as we had hope, but first they gave themselves. So the Macedonians gave themselves, and so did Jesus. Jesus gave himself. And that's what God's calling us to do. God's calling us to give our life to give him complete ownership of every, every penny. You know, maybe you're here today and you give 10%, and that's a great place, I think, to start, but what about the other 90%? It's all his. I want to encourage you guys to, to really be motivated by, you know, the, the love. It's a test of your love, and, and be motivated by by your Lord. I mean, look at the example that Christ has set for us. You guys don't ever, ever miss out on that. And, uh, and then we read in verse 10, notice it says, and in this I give advice. Again, not commandment, but it's advice. And, and I'm going to just say this real quick. Financial advisor. I'm a financial advisor. Paul's a financial advisor. You're like, yeah, invest in Apple. Invest in Apple stock. Okay, cool, whatever, you know. I tell you something better to invest in. Invest in the kingdom of God. Financial advisor, okay? Because you know what? You can't lose that, right? But he says there, in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. And, and here's the third thing that I think can help us in giving. Uh, number one is love. If you really love God, you're going to give. Number two is the Lord. He's our example, right? I mean, just look at the way he became poor so we could be rich. And number three, I think, is just a, a longing that, that I think each of us has that you might not even realize it, but I would venture to say that most of you do realize it. I mean, if I could, I, I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything, but how many of you here, you're inside your heart, you're like, man, I want to give to the poor. You know, I want to give to a good cause. 
You have that in you. I know you do. The Corinthians did as well. Remember we read last week that a year ago they had begun it. It was an intention that they never really were able to transform into action. And I think there's a lot of people that have that longing. First it's the, lo- the love and then the Lord and then the longing. It's there. I want to give. But for whatever reason, just uh, you know, time goes by. You spend your money and then it's gone. And then it happens again, next paycheck, and, and before you know it, uh, again, I'm not talking about everybody here, but I'm talking about some people here. You never really give to the poor. And yet, it's a longing you have. That, that's what Paul is saying right here, these guys right here in verse 10, that, that it, you know, they, there was something they began, they were desiring to do a year ago, but now he's just saying, man, you've got to complete it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also made a completion out of it, you know? I mean, they had begun with a lot of gusto, good intentions to put together an offering for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if you ever think about stuff like that, but, you know, someone's really struggling, they have no job, they're trying to find one, no income. They're having a hard time coming up with clothes for their kids, food for their family. And, you know, the church at Corinth, they find out about it and they get all excited and they make a lot of promises. But a whole year goes by and, you know, nothing happens. You know, they wanted to give and they were the first who even started this whole thing. But uh, we read later in chapter 9 and verse 2, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that uh, Achaia was ready a year ago. And their zeal, man, got everything stirred up. And so they wanted to give and they started to, but then they stalled and now they stopped. And Paul was just saying, you should finish what you started a year ago, you know? I mean, so that there may be a completion out of, notice he says, what you have. You know, Kenneth Wee said, in accordance with your ability. And, uh, you know, basically you give according to what you have. And we would never say, hey, you know, charge it up or pledge something that you don't have. But, you know, what you do have. You know, you give willingly. That's one thing. Notice again in verse 10, and this I give advice, it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do. And in verse 11, there's that word readiness. If it's not in your heart, and I wonder, you know, just, man, I just wonder, is it in your heart? You know, but if it's not, some of you here, you're like, man, this is as flat as a pancake. I have no interest in giving, I, especially now. I think it was Mark Twain when they were talking about giving and one day I guess he was at a church service and they were talking about giving and he was so disgusted with the message of giving that he took out when it, when it went by he took out of it that's how much some people they don't want to hear that message of giving to the poor maybe that's you here you're like I have no interest in that but some of you by the spirit of God not the spirit of men not some guy stirring you up, but it's the Lord stirring you up. You, you have that heart that's willing. And so you give willingly. 
And then there's that second part right there where you give proportionately. And, and that's what he's saying, right? It's according to what you have. So, you know, I don't know what Bill Gates plans on doing with all that, you know, whatever, $80 million or whatever. But, I, you know, I think that, that he's accountable, you know, to give a lot more than that. And here's the thing, okay? He says right there, it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. So let's just say you become a person who grows in giving and then overflows in giving. Do you think that there might be a great reward for you in heaven? Absolutely. Not only that, do you think there might even be a possibility of you making a little more money on planet Earth? Maybe. Not, not a promise, but it, it might be like the Lord says, Hey, there's somebody that I can give to and bless financially and open the windows of heaven and lavish on them because Malachi talks about that with so much that they won't even be able to hold it in. I mean, they won't have anywhere to store it. Why? Because they understood their stewardship. See, and I think that that's why he says it's to your advantage. Let me give you a few passages. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. You see, he's talking about the one who's just, they're giving, and it just, it just doesn't make sense, but somehow they end up getting more from the Lord, and then the one who's hoarding, they're hoarding it all in, and for whatever reason, they got holes in their pockets. It leads to poverty, right? Proverbs 14.21, it says, He who despises his neighbor's sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Uh, and I think it's cool that happiness, God likes to see you smile. We'll have mercy on the poor. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. And Proverbs 28 27 says, He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. If you go over to chapter 9, and we're not going to elaborate on this too much, but just want to read it to you guys in verse 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. So it's just, you guys, you know, it's kind of cool being in a church, I think, that, that wants you to be blessed in every area of your life and that would be willing to share with you this advice, this financial advice that you can't outgive God. You can't. And you just ask the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be, you know, reckless or irresponsible with your finances, but Lord, show me. 
any sacrifices that need to be made on my part um, and show me good places, good people that I can give to in your name. And then, you know, it's so cool what the Lord ends up doing. It's to your advantage. And so we read in verse 13 in closing, the first is it's an issue of love, and, and then second, it's the Lord. He's our example. The third is that there's this longing, right? There's this longing that we have to give, and, you know, it started with a desire. Maybe it started with little things, but we've got to finish it. And, and the fourth is their lacking. And verse 13, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack. See, their lack. That their abundance also may supply your lack. That there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no no lack. Paul uses the word equality here a couple of times. And here's the thing, you guys. I don't think it was his intention. I don't think it's God's you know, word for anyone to take advantage of the system, so to speak. You know, it's not like, hey, we want to make it hard for you so we make it easy for others. That's not God's system. There are some people who have that heart, though. They have that mentality. You know, it's not a call for some to work hard and earn an honest living and then be giving to others who refuse to work. No, it's not that. It, it wasn't so some would bear the brunt of things, burden, so that others might just put it in cruise control and see life as a big party. There are some people who see life just as a long vacation, living on easy street. No, that's not what God wants. There was an honest need in Jerusalem. I mean, the history tells us that they were being ostracized because they were Christians and no one would shop at their businesses and no one would hire them. And so there was a deep poverty in Jerusalem. So it was an honest need. And, you know, here we see that when we do this, there's this equality that is just so cool that happens. You give because you're blessed. You're able to give. One day the, the roles might be reversed, man. You never know. You might lose your job. And next thing you know, it just not, I almost hesitate to say this, but you guys ever heard that saying, what goes around comes around? I heard that's a song by Justin Timberlake. That's why I'm like, I don't know if I should say that or not. But anyways, you know, try to forget that song and just try to know that uh, that's going to happen, you know. Not only that, the thing is, is that, like, for example, you know, I'll share this with you guys. You know, what we do with the offering here at the church is we take in a certain percentage and we set that aside as benevolence and we give to the poor. Like yesterday, a guy came in, you know, and again, here's a food card for you or here's a food card for you or here's a little help on your, you know, utility bill and, you know, whatever, you need your car fixed. We try to be real careful with who we give benevolence to because, we know that we don't want to enable someone who's not working or doesn't want to work. We're try to, we try to be real careful, but, but you know, sometimes there's a real legitimate need, and we might see a, a lady, and she's on a fixed income, and she's not able to give a lot. And so we'll give to her. But do you think that 
that we don't benefit from that? When I see this, this sister, it's a godly woman. Godly woman. And we get to give her whatever, a little $25, $50 food card. Do you, do you, do you not know how she prays for us? Do you not know how these beautiful children in Cambodia pray for us? I give $20 a month, and my daughter prays for me. That's what he's saying. There's like an equality. You give, and you might give whatever, a little bit of money, but man, I'm telling you, there's this great equalizer. There's this great way that it works in the kingdom that just blows you away. You know, and I think that here, it's interesting, when you read the Bible, he's talking about giving to the Jews, but he was also talking about how the Jews gave to the, to the Gentiles. And they gave the scriptures, and, and they gave Jesus. I mean, they gave through their prayers. You read that in Romans fifteen twenty seven. And so that's just the way it works, you guys. It's a beautiful picture. And, and, and then he closes right there, and it's just so important to know. Um, Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. And you guys remember the, the story there? I'll, I'll close real quick because we have communion. But um, you guys remember what happened was uh, that God had given manna to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And so every day the manna would fall. That must have been so cool. You know, wake up in the morning... And you're like, you go out and you, I don't know, we don't know exactly what it was. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word manna, it means what is it? We don't even know. Some say it was like angel food. I don't know. Frosted flakes or something, you know. And, and so they would go, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, the Lord told them, just get enough for each day. You know, just get enough for each day. That's heavy. But anyways, um, sometimes what people would do is they would get, try to get a lot. No, I'm going to get a whole bunch. And you guys remember what would happen the next day? It was all rotted and worms and ugly and gross. And Lord said, no, I don't want that. I want you to trust me to provide for you for every day. And so he says right here that some they gathered a lot. They didn't have any left over because it went rotten. Some they just gathered a little bit. They were fine. They were fine. And that's kind of the way it's going to work out for us. That's the way it works out for us. You know, they lacked. We'll give. I'll lack. God's going to provide. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I will never want. God will take care of us. And you got to know that, you guys. We have to know that as Christians, that as the Lord is our shepherd, that he will provide for us. And so, you know, it's a, again, it's one of those, I was thinking about this today. It's a real, real practical study because I think that we run into poor people a lot, you know, and we have to make decisions whether or not we're going to give a dollar or two dollars or maybe have a little conversation or maybe go online and food for the hungry, you know, just different things. You know, you have an extra five dollars, you throw it over here, you throw it over there. I mean, it really is. 
it's very practical. So, you know, thank God for his word. I actually wanted to go, like, just finish this whole section up. I'm like, I'm just going to go chapter 8 and chapter 9. I'm just going to just get it out of the way because I don't want to talk about this. But I'm sorry, we're going to grind this out, man. <laughs> no, the Lord just said, that's not the way I teach. I just can't. I tried. And so it's going to be a few weeks. So if you want to go somewhere else for a while and come back, I, I understand. But, you know, let's just ask the Lord. Um, not what Manny would want or, you know, what that guy would want or, or even what I would want. You know, what, what does the Lord want? Where's the Lord? It's all His. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.